Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, this is Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. I just want to remind you that Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going to go right to the phone. By the way, Brad Peterson is in studio with me. Good morning again, Brad. Good morning, Terry. All right. We're going to go right to the phones. And joining us from Tightline Outdoors is Matt Ensley. And Matt, I know you're going to talk about the bass bite and the walleye bite. And Brad and I touched on it a little bit earlier, but... If you can't catch fish now, maybe you should consider another sport. Well, that's a true <laughs> statement. June is our summer peak. You were talking about the summer peak bite. It's the hottest month in the year for numbers of fish. There are other months you might catch bigger fish, but, boy, if you go fishing right now, anywhere in the front range, every lake is hot and catching numbers of fish from walleye to bass to panfish. So it's a great time to go. It's my favorite time to fish because you can always catch Quite a few fish, lots of bites, and lots of hookups with some nice keepers, too. Any particular bodies of water you've personally been concentrating on? I know you do Aurora and Quincy quite a bit. Right. Aurora it lags uh, the, the rest of the front range. It's a deeper lake, so that water warms up a little later. It starts in July, so we're closing in on when that, that bite will really get hot. There are some large smallmouth coming uh, that have been spawning shallow on some of the rocky points. And uh, the average smallmouth out there is from four to six pounds. And the state record has come out of there uh, a year ago, and then it was uh, broken or uh, equaled early this year, but uh, wasn't certified. So there's some giant smallmouth shallow right now. Um, well, you're absolutely right. That, that Aurora, it's got good largemouth, too, but the smallmouth in there are just phenomenal. I actually did a, a show with Troy Coburn out there where we – we actually just fished right from a boat. I don't think we moved the boat one spot, and I don't think we caught a smallmouth under 14 inches. It was it was phenomenal. That uh, uh, that's on my YouTube channel, by the way. Best of fishing with Terry Wickstrom. Brad looks like he's about to say something here. Well, no, I mean, Matt's Matt's right. The the walleye fishing, the bass fishing, everything's doing really good. And Aurora is a lake that I haven't spent a lot of time on, but I tell you what, that's one that I'm going to hit this summer. Yeah, Matt. What else are you seeing out there? Well, uh, Cherry Creek and Chatfield, the walleye bites uh, could not be hotter. Uh, we're catching 100 fish plus days. I think Nate broke his all-time record. He had 188, I believe it was walleye uh, yesterday or the day before. It's just remember, crazy. have you ever, have you ever watched Nate count? Just keep that in mind. <laughs> well, he has a counter now, so he's being uh, very accurate. No, I'm just teasing. He does a great job on that. Yeah, he does. And uh, so the walleye bite is going strong. Uh, you can catch fish right now uh, on the walleye side any way you want to go. If you're using night crawlers or leeches and bait, I recommend, uh, you know, bottom bouncing uh, with a slow death hook or uh, using a Lindy rig, uh, lighten up a little bit on the weight maybe a half ounce or even less, and uh, drag them in shallow water, very shallow water, anywhere from 5 to 12 feet. The walleye are all over the road beds and the humps in both Cherry Creek and Chatfield. 
and uh, you can barely get a nightcrawler down without getting a fish on it immediately. Um, this is a great and, time of the year, too, and we talked about this early when the bite's like this. Personally, I like to throw a lot of jigs this time of the year just because it's fun. I like to fish that way. But this is a time of the year that you can try a few different presentations and gain some confidence. You should try it when the bite is hot. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. In fact, uh, for numbers, the uh, Lindy Rig or the Bottom Bouncer setup will produce uh, more numbers. But if you want to go for a little bit larger fish, switch to a jig either an artificial plastic right now the thumper tail plastics are working quite well on the jig without uh, tipping it you can get quite a few bites and you tend to catch a little bit larger fish doing that if you're looking to uh, load the live well with some keepers and uh, if uh, they're not hitting the plastic just tip it a little bit with a half or a quarter piece of night crawler sometimes that will get you a few more bites what are you seeing on the bass? I know you do a lot of bass fishing, and I, I still, you know, I actually started in this industry a million years ago fishing for bass, and uh, it's still one of my favorites. And people think we don't have the quality bass fishing here in Colorado, but we do. What are you seeing on the bass fishing? Well, bass uh, went on the spawn late May, and so they moved to beds, and a good portion of them are still bedding. They'll finish up the bedding this month, certainly by the end of June, and uh, move on to feeding uh, after the the bed cycle. But right now there's a lot of fish shallow, one foot to five foot of water. Uh, just move shallow to the banks and just look for either dark spots or around uh, spots, and you'll see fish on, on those beds, uh, and quite a few of them, both smallmouth and largemouth. Matt, with this being summer peak, this is a great time to get kids out fishing as well. Is there any advice that you would give someone, you know, just to get a new angler out, to to catch a few more fish, you know, get them hooked on the sport? Sure. Uh, the main thing with kids is you want to keep it simple. Uh, kids uh, have a hard time casting properly or managing, you know, a bait caster or some of the more sophisticated, uh, sophisticated setups. So I like to keep them in spinning tackle, keep it simple. One of the simple baits that works quite well this time of year in the shallow water is a little four-inch Cinco. Uh, there are a number of brands of them available out there. We get a four-inch Cinco in a watermelon or green pumpkin, some kind of dark color, single hook. It's not weighted, so it's not going to hang up on the bottom and let them cast it out. And that slow-sinking action, the bass will come up and pick it up. i got to tell you my Cinco story, um, Matt. This is I'm fishing down in uh, Lake Huitas in Mexico and famous for its giant bass, right? And I'm wor- working with a couple guides down there, staying at a lodge. But bass fishing, I consider my my number one. That I think I'm kind of good at it. Maybe not, but I think I am. And so I'm down there. And but I wanted I want the guide's advice. It's his water. I don't want to be you know. So I asked him. I said, "What do you want me to put on?" And I can't remember what he asked me to put on and try to fish. Well, we had uh, Karen's son. Karen, of course, my producer. Mark was with us as a camera person. And we were only going to shoot one camera to begin with till we saw what was going on. So he got to fish. And so I, I, I rigged up. I said, Mark, why don't you throw a Senko? Because you can throw it into a lot of brush down there at Wheatas. The water was high. I knew he could throw it in the brush. He wouldn't have a lot of problems. So I'm fishing, and he hooks up a really nice, maybe three, four-pound bass. Oh, great. Mark got a fish, you know. And that goes on. Well, this happened two or three times. 
And the guy turned to me, he goes, maybe you should throw a Senko. Exactly. <laughs> like, you, you know, think? You, you look yeah. at the paint and you, you would just not guess that that would be as productive as it can be. But it's a seasonal thing, and when the fish are shallow like they are right now, it's an excellent uh, lure to throw out there because you can fish it in that, you know, one to ten foot of water and be very productive with it. Well, I think I, I, I want to reiterate, too, that this, to me, um, people that want to advance their fishing skills, the summer peak, and now through, you know, the walleyes right now, little bit the white bass and wipers and the bass, the, the large and small mouth will come on a little bit more as we go, um, and some lakes will come on. But this is the time of the year when you're going to have action, and this is when you should be experimenting. And I'll tell you, like, uh, this time of the year, um, as, they, as these fish start to move just a little deeper, uh, even as an experienced bass fisherman, uh, my my go-to rig is a 7-inch plastic worm or a tube, and then maybe uh, maybe crankbaits. But after that, I, I don't consider myself as proficient. You have to have a wide. I want to learn to drop shot better. That really became popular after I started bass fishing less. This would be a great time of the year to, if you want to learn to drop shot, because you can do it in shallow water, cast it up. But find a presentation that you know you've heard a lot that works for this time of the year and throw it now and get confidence and learn the nuances. The drop shot is probably the number one technique when bass are spawning. Bass get very defensive uh, when they're on the bed, and, and after the, the eggs have hatched, they'll guard the fry for a week or so before they start uh, feeding up. And a drop shot stays in that strike zone around that area where they're guarding, and they, they just can't stand it. It's a threat, and they'll come pick it up as you jiggle it, and all of a sudden your line's going left or right, and you got one. Matt, two more things, and we're going to let you go. But first of all, if you were going fishing tomorrow, it's Father's Day, and you're either taking your son or maybe you're an, uh, an adult son taking your dad, where would you go? Uh, two lakes, uh, Chatfield and Cherry Creek. In fact, that's exactly what I'm doing tomorrow. I'm going to Chatfield and uh, hit up some of those walleye. Uh, it's, the bites are so frequent, it's a lot of fun reeling in a, hook, a, a hooked fish. So I'm going to try Chatfield, but Cherry Creek is producing just as well. And where can they find you guys if somebody wants to take advantage? You know, Tightline guides on these lakes. There's people out there. This is the time to learn these techniques from a guide. How do they book a trip from you, Matt? Well, two ways. You can go to our website, Tightline Outdoors, and we're all listed. All our guides are listed there, and you can uh, send us a message on uh, Tightline Outdoors on our website, or you can call us at seven two zero seven seven five seven 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 zero and we'll uh, get you uh, hooked up with a guide trip. All right. And the other thing, Matt, that I want to make comment is you and I have never been on the water together. we got to fix that this year. Yeah, we do. Come join me at Quincy. Just give me a call anytime. Don't I will. The problem is I probably never get off that lake. The bass fishing is so good. Gosh, I love it there. Yeah, Th it is awesome. Thanks, Matt. Have a good time on Father's Day tomorrow. You too. Take care, guys. You bet. Uh, Brad, before we close the segment, that's something we haven't talked about on the show is Father's Day tomorrow. Um, you and I both, my father's passed away many years ago, but you and I both came from families where our fathers were outdoor people. And you, you still spend a lot of time in the outdoors with your dad. Oh, I do. And that's time that you definitely cherish and you try to get out and do it as much as possible. We both waterfowl hunt and do a lot of fishing together. But you know what? There's a lot of kids out there right now who may not have a father in their family, uh, single parent families. And there's an opportunity to take kids out and kind of do the, the big brother role 
and introduce people to the outdoors because with us, it was our father who introduced us. And I think that's key is having some sort of an adult mentor to introduce someone to the outdoors so that you get the next generation actively involved in all the blessings that are there in the outdoors. No, you're absolutely right. Well, we're going to take a time out here. We come back. You've got a very special guest lined up, uh, Troy Linder, uh, the, from the famous Fishing Linder family. Of course, that seemed to have been intertwined in both our lives for about 40 years. <laughs> so we'll, we'll have him join us. But um, So I'm looking forward to that. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. Brad Peterson in studio with Terry Wickstrom, and we've got a special guest on the phone right now, Troy Lindner. Good morning, Troy. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. How are you doing? Doing great. Good morning, Troy. Doing good. Well, Terry and I have been talking this morning about fishing and stuff like that, and, you know, Terry mentioned Camp Fish. This year, Troy and I, along with a couple other of the alumni staff members, have really been working to get Camp Fish back up and running. And so, Troy, I, I think you wanted to come on to talk about a couple of the exciting programs, and one of them, I believe, we're going to be the first place that you're really announcing it. Yes. Yeah, it, it is, uh, I guess, with, with great pleasure and excitement this August, August 6th through 9th, on the original Camp Fish Grounds, the original lodge in Walker, Minnesota, we're having an adult child session. This is the first camp fish session there in, uh, how long would you say? Uh, 26 plus years now. Yeah. Yeah. 20, almost three decades. Way before my time. (laughs) (laughs) And, and it's, and it's open to all ages. I mean, you know, it's an adult, we, we call it the adult child session, but, the adult could be 60. The child could be 40. It could be a 40-year-old adult with a 20, you know, 20 or or, or 30 and 10-year-old. So it's it, it, we have some people that you know that kind of pre-signed up already, and the mix you know of ages there is going to be quite you know quite broad, and it's and it's really to celebrate the spirit of you know, Camp Fish and, and how it really touched so many lives and drove that passion for the outdoors, especially in fishing. Yeah, and we're lucky enough, we've got several of the alumni staff members who are going to be there helping do some of the instruction, the education. You know, people are going to be getting out on the water six to eight hours a day along with uh, classroom instruction. It, it's a great way to, you know, learn about fishing if you're new to it or to expand your skill level yeah we'll have we have two yeah we'll have two uh fishing sessions each day guided fishing from the original camp fish staff you know and and based on the on the you know the incredible curriculum you know that was just there there hasn't been anything like it you know the flt uh and we're adding keys to the fish location presentation timing and 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 we can customize that obviously if you're going there with a, a younger child we can customize the fishing sessions each day to, you know, for what you want to fish with, you know, and uh, and if you're more advanced, then then we can definitely help you out as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic time. Now, we've got another program that's coming up this fall, and it's one that uh, has really been a passion of your dad, Al, 
And why don't you talk a little bit about that? And hopefully we may get Al in a few weeks to even talk some more about it. But talk about the Career Expo that's coming up. Yeah, this is also very exciting. This answers the question, which a lot of people have, especially young people, uh, how can I make a living in the outdoor industry? And we're offering a fishing careers workshop here in Brainerd, Minnesota on October 28th. It's a one-day workshop at Craigens Resort. Uh, it's hosted by, by me and my dad, Al. And this is open to anyone. And, and we're covering areas, I mean, the, the areas that we're covering, you know, professional angler, fishing guide, promotions, freelance, outdoor writing, videography, photography, social media marketing, marketing sales rep, conservation officer. I mean, these, and they're all Minnesota-based. So you have Matt Johnson from uh, Clam Outdoors, Billy Linder, John Janicek, Mike Hainer for videography, sales reps, um, and people from the DNR, and uh, Seth Fighter, the uh, Bassmaster um, Elite Angler, uh, Mark Fisher, Field, field Promotions at uh, Rapala, and it's uh, it's really it's really it's not so much about how to catch fish, but it's actually about how to make a living. Hey, Troy, this is Terry. Does this mean I might even have a chance to still have a career in the outdoors? <laughs> <laughs> you tell you what, you want to show up, I, well, you can show up for free. We'll, we'll put you on. We're going to put you on as a special guest uh, speaker there. And, and it, you know, it, you know it, it, you've been in the outdoor industry, uh, obviously, for, for decades and in many aspects of it, from, you know, radio, television, writing, and you know how it. You know it's. It is for somebody coming in, especially uh, somebody in high school or college. It's probably daunting. How do they? How did? Where do they start? And and this is what this workshop is is meant to tell the stories of how people in different areas are making a living, where they come from, how they got to where they are. Well, and there's there's a lot of people that look at the professional bass anglers and say, you know, that's the way to get into the fishing industry, but there's so many other avenues, like you say, whether it's a, a biologist or a conservation officer, a sales rep, mm -hmm. working with a manufacturer. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of ways to be inside the industry, but not on the professional bassing, you know, angling tour side, because that's a tough gig. Not only just the long days of fishing, the travel, the being away from your family, the tremendous expense that it is so there's a lot of ways for people to get in and and figure out where their skill set their niche is that they can look at at creating a a career in this fishing industry brad you're absolutely right that that is you know the 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 road of a professional bass angler is really tough and there's only a a handful of guys really making it you know at the top and they it, but but if you have a passion for the outdoors, which a lot of people do, there's so many different avenues, you know, with writing and and even somebody like Brett McComas is based here. He he edits Target Walleye, and you know, and basically works in social media. It's purely social media, which over the past decade, you know, especially the last five years, you can actually make a living working for company. You know, these companies need content. They need somebody to manage that. Especially if you're younger, that's that's one great way you know, to make a living as well as, you know, in the uh, fisheries departments, the DNRs, the departments of fish and game. And there's not, you know, besides being a professional fisherman, there's a lot of different, which is a rough road. I would say that's probably the toughest out of all of them. There's a, the, the other uh, people that we have here, you know, professional guy, Tom Newstrom, who's done an incredible job here in Minnesota over the years. 
Well, and like uh, and with, it, with Tom, this is his second career. You know, he yeah. was he was a police officer down in, I think it was the Chicago area where he started out at. And so this is something that, you know, people can look into as, you know, maybe a transition even at an older age. How does someone go about getting information on both the adult child session and the uh, career expo? The website, the best place, the, the website, uh, mycampfish.com. You go up in the top, you'll see curriculum, and you just click on that, and you'll see uh, information about the adult child camp as well as the career workshop. It's all on there. We also have a phone number you can reach us at. You can email info at mycampfish.com. You can also email brad at brad at mycampfish.com as well, and we can answer any and all questions regarding both the workshop and the adult child session. Yeah, and if you are looking to travel up to either one of these, you know, we're willing to help out, steer you in the right direction if you're looking to try to get additional fishing, a lodge to stay at, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. We're happy to help you out. Troy, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, we're going to have to take a timeout here on Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by the Honey Smoked Fish Company. Their honey smoked salmon is so good. Trust me, it is in my refrigerator all the time. The secret is in the fire. We're going to go right to the phones. Joining us from Colorado Clays, we hope, because we understand he's probably out in the middle of the wilderness somewhere. He's probably tracking an elephant or something. Is Mark Cousins. Good morning, Mark. And I don't have much. You there, Mark? Yeah, can you hear me now? I can hear you. You're kind of in and out, but we'll do our best. I've got Brad Peterson, too, and if we if we can't keep the connection up, we'll kind of fill people in. But uh, you and I wanted to talk. You and I talk a lot. We used to do a preparation for the outdoors program every year that we took a whole uh, two hours to do, actually, on, oh, being, yeah. on being prepared and being things. Well, the same thing is true of your firearm, whether you're hunting, target shooting, or self-defense, and that's don't just try to get ready. Be ready. Oh, it's important to get in a lot of practice, and, um, you know, there's great ways to do it. Like right now, I'm at a Colorado Clay shooting park, and I'm, I'm actually participating today in a Colorado Wildlife uh, Federation uh, fundraiser shoot. So we're out having a good time. We'll be buying raffle tickets for one of the governor's elk tags, and it's a great way to get together with some friends, get out, get some much-needed practice in, as we've all shown on some of the stations today, and get ready for bird season. No, you're absolutely right. And not only bird season, you know what I see? The hunting tags just came out. The big game tags just came out. And people are looking at that tag, and they're going to do things like they're going to look at the terrain. They may even go scout the area. They'll do mapping. They'll do all kinds of uh, research. But they won't take their gun out until a week or two before they go to practice, they'll find out they've got scope mounts that are broken or a mechanism's not working or that they're not very proficient with that firearm because they haven't shot it. Well, and Terry, I see that all the time out here at the range with season approaching. I mean, I've had people wait till three days before season to sight in and have a reticle fall out in their scope or break. So they've only got three days to get a new scope mounted, get it shot in, and be ready to get packed for hunting. Um, a big discussion today with everybody out here shooting has been, what bags did you draw? 
And I, I, I'm shooting with a friend that drew uh, a tag it took 15 points to get. So you know he's already looking at what rifle am I going to get put together and get ready for this hunt of a lifetime. And But he's talking about it now, and he'll be shooting that gun probably every week between now and hunting season. That's just how he prepares. And it's kind of a model on how folks should prepare. You know, we're, we're getting our tags in the mail. That's a reminder. Hey, I got to get the guns out. I got to check them over from last season. Make sure everything's clean, lubed, everything's tight from the scope bases down to your sling swivel studs. And then get out and practice so that the month before season is all you're doing is just confirming what you already know, that everything's ready to go. So that the ultimate goal is when you put that crosshair on an animal, the only thought in your mind is, I know I can make this shot. Never, I hope I can, because you don't want to shoot that way. No, you know, and you made something. He's going to get his gun put together and maybe a custom gun because it's a hunt of a lifetime. And, Brad, you can attest to this, and so can you, Mark. But, Brad, even whether it's waterfall hunting with a shotgun, whether it's a rifle, don't buy it the week. You know, you're not going to get a good deal. They say there's a sale the week before hunting season. Trust me, they're marked up. But you know what? Buy it now, right? Mar- Wouldn't you say so, Brad, too? Oh, yeah. Now is the time to buy it, to get comfortable with it. And if you want to try to test some loads out, see what's going to shoot better, now's the time to figure out what load's going to be the best for you if you're purchasing loads as, as opposed to reloading. And make sure you buy enough so that you have some coming hunting season because you know, the last few years, sometimes specialty loads have been hard to come by. So make sure when you find a load that you like, you have enough of the ammunition so you're shooting a consistent load because it's just like changing scopes, changing guns. If you change your load, that's also going to change the way your gun shoots. And that's true with hunting, right, with rifles too, right, Mark? Oh, that's, that's great information uh, that Brad has there because I see that all the time. People will come back out to shoot and say, well, you know, last time I shot in with this, but I couldn't find any more, so I bought this other brand. It'll be just as good. Some guns aren't finicky, but I see a lot that are. I mean, it can be four or five inches at 100 yards difference between brand and bullet. And if you extend that out to a 200-yard shot or a 300-yard shot, you could be a foot and a half off. It makes the difference between a clean kill and a miss or a borchette, a wounded animal. Well, you know, and this this carries over to whether you're shooting sporting clays like you guys are right now or target shooting. And it especially this practice and understanding your ammo and your gun, self-defense shooting, Mark. Um, if you ha- If you're not out practicing... With your with whatever you're going to carry as a self defense gun, you're not going to be safe. You're not going to perform under stress. Hunting's the same thing. If your heart doesn't beat 150 beats a minute, why are you out there? But when you're in those stressful situations, if you have to worry about your ammo or your basic shooting techniques, trigger control, sight picture, you're just not going to perform. Well, and the worst thing you could ever have happen, especially when you get into self defense, if you ever did have to, you know pull your self-defense firearm and think you might have to shoot it to protect yourself or your family, the last thought you want to have in your mind is, I hope my gun works. You know, you've got to be absolutely certain that it's going to function with the ammo you choose to carry. Because if you're thinking, I hope it works, 
that's that's going to cause brain lock and a lot of things are going to go wrong. Oh, any of these. Well, working on your fundamentals in a non-stressful situation is so important. It's like developing muscle memory in any other sport. Your sight picture, your trigger control have to be instinctual. They can't be something that you're developed. And along those lines, Brad and I were talking earlier, practicing bad habits just reinforces bad habits. If you're not shooting well, have somebody help you so you don't reinforce those bad habits. Oh, that's a great idea. And if you go out and it's just not right, it's better to simply pack up and go home instead of develop a bad habit that might be very difficult to break. Um, if you're not sure what you're doing, go shoot with a friend. Have them video as you shoot. Have them close up on the gun as you shoot and watch what your trigger control is. See if you're keeping the, the you know, front sight focus, you're keeping the muzzle level, that you're not anticipating the shot and pushing the gun down, or you're not mashing the gun with your whole hand and pulling the shot low into the side. If you're a right-handed shooter and you're shooting low left, that's a trigger control issue, and you're not staying on the site. Left-handed shooters shoot low right. So that's a quick self-evaluation um, you can see, and a lot of good drive practice. You know, you dry fire practice, get everything down, then come out to the range and shoot. And one last thing is, you can never do anything fast that you have not mastered slowly. No, you're you absolutely. Yeah. You got to get those fundamentals in, like you mentioned, Terry, and then speed comes with efficiency of motion as you get um, better at doing each technique. Yeah. We're out of time, Mark, but we always used to say, be quick, but don't hurry. You know, yep. and hey, real quick, how do they find you guys if they want some help or just to hey, shoot? Just- just look up uh, coloradoclays.com on the web. We have a great overview video that shows all the features of our shooting park, all the shotgun shooting sports, our rifle and pistol range. Um, we're just east of uh, Bar Lake. We're six miles east of Bar Lake off Bromley Lane. Bromley to Lane. Turn south, follow the signs. We're open every day except Tuesday. So uh, run out if you can get out during the week, especially on rifle and pistol. Great time to do it. It won't be crowded, and you'll be able to have a nice, uh, positive shooting experience. All right. Mark, thank you for joining us. Get back to your shooting. I, I kind of hate to. I'm not shooting that good today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you soon, Mark. Let's go right back to the phones now. And joining us, uh, one of my favorite people from one of my favorite companies, and that's uh, Kevin from the Honey Smoke Fish Company. Good morning, Kevin. Well, good morning, Terry. You know, I, I, you get the honey smoked salmon and you bring it on on your trip. So at least you succeeded with pleasure in <laughs> eating a fine piece of fish. We actually fished with a guide in the Cumberland River down in um, Tennessee. And he actually, and this was years ago before I knew about honey smoked salmon, but he actually carried salmon in a cooler with him and he had you release all the fish you catch. But then he ate, you ate the salmon after to get the experience of catching and eating fish. <laughs> and some people say it's good luck. It brings the scent, you know, that little honey smoked salmon, the secrets in the fire. Yeah, and yeah. then, you know, all the fathers out there, you know, all your kids and the, your wife are wondering what to get you. Maybe throw the little hint that the honey smoked salmon is great and you can put it in your fridge. It'll stay 90 days if you don't break the seal. And once you break the seal, 10 to 12 days. Oh, and and keep in mind, it's diabetic friendly and it's lightly smoked. You know, I made that comment earlier that as I'm getting older, I want to stay active. 
And one of the things that's an you important, are active, Terry. And one of the things <laughs> that's an important part of my health is what I eat, and I've had to learn that. And, and I can do substitutions without giving up taste by using honey-smoked salmon. It's in my refrigerator. It goes in pasta. It goes in omelets. It goes in my dips. I eat it right out of the package, and it's so good for you. Oh, yeah. I like to put it on top of my burgers or top of my steaks, you know, like you do with blue cheese or something like that. Oh, it's great. Or bacon. It's fabulous. Where can they remember, f- the secret's in the fire. Where can they find you, Kevin? Oh, King Super, Safeway, Costco, Sam's Club. Soon to be Walmart. Wow. And I'll tell you what, you, you can always find it in my refrigerator, but I'm not giving it up. <laughs> well, thank you, Terry. All right. Thank, thank you for all my customers and, you know, that support Honey Smoked Fish Company. Right here from Colorado. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Terry. All right. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody. You bet. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by the great folks at Honey Smoked Salmon's Honey Smoked Fish Company. The secret is in the fire. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest motorcycle and ATV dealer. This is Brad Peterson in studio with Terry Wickstrom, and we've got another special guest here, one of our local Colorado bass experts, Nate Caldwell. Nate has fished, last year was the Colorado representative to the BASS Nation event and did pretty well. So, Nate, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing real well. Doing great. So, Nate, you've been up chasing bass around that uh, northern Colorado area, and I know you said you were on Boyd a couple days ago at a tournament and said the fishing has just been phenomenal. So why don't you share with the listeners some of the things going on and maybe some tips that you would give them if they were going to go out this weekend and take their dad out to do some bass fishing? You bet. You bet. Um, The fishing really, as some of your guests earlier stated, is pretty darn good right now. the bass are coming off the spawn. They're winding that down. There's still some up shallow, finishing that process up. But with the high water, a lot of the fish are still up shallow in the flooded timber and the weeds and all that stuff, uh, feeding on crawdads and all that good stuff they can find before the shad really get big enough for them to eat. Um, at Boyd the other night, there was a real good shallow largemouth bite. Um, a lot of guys were catching flipping bushes, throwing top water, which is always fun. Uh, that's a good good fun bite and uh the smallmouth are getting real healthy and boyed again um just look for hard bottoms with those boogers and they're hiding all over the boat ramps and the riprap and all that good stuff well yeah that's phenomenal and you also said that someone caught a walleye on a topwater bait on thursday is that right yeah yeah one of our guys in our club caught a uh a nice walleye on a right right about duck so the walleyes were up chasing shad there's a quite a bit of shad up uh that were right on the surface uh, right about dark and apparently the walleyes are chasing those as well now other than boyd what other lake i know you like to fish horse tooth is is horse tooth the other lake you'd recommend up there and, and i know horse tooth is going to fish a little bit different than boyd due to the fact that boyd has has more weeds and horse tooths a little bit more canyony and rock environment yeah, Brad, you know, I love going to Horse Tooth. That's probably my favorite lake in the state. I try to get up there two, three times a week when I can. Um, the smallmouth fishing up there has been phenomenal. It's just getting better and better over the last few years. Uh, with the high water we've had in the spring, recruitment has been awesome. The smelt population is really back. The shad have taken off. Uh, the panfish and the, the other small game fish are really great. It's a great forage base. But 
Uh, like you said, the, the smallmouth are finishing their spawn, so they've been up shallow and been pretty easy to catch, just like you said earlier, going along the bank, and you can even look for them. Um, but they're getting real healthy in there. Um, our tournaments last, last couple of years have been seeing quite a few three-plus pound fish and even some in the four, almost five-pound range, which is really getting healthy for that lake. Well, that that's a phenomenal smallmouth. I don't care where you are. A five-pound smallmouth is a trophy nationwide. So, And to have some of that just here right along the Colorado Front Range is a real blessing. Now, if you were to tell someone maybe a presentation style to go up there and to try and chase those smallmouth, what would be something, you know, maybe not too technical, someone who's beginning bass fishing, but that's going to get them out there and get a lot of bites? Man, it's hard to beat a drop shot. Um, just a little 8th ounce, 316th ounce. Uh, put a hook about six, seven, eight inches above that with a little plastic, like three inch synchro. Uh, there's tons of little you know, drop shot baits out there. Worms, uh, color doesn't too much matter up there. Uh, you can experiment with that a little bit, but for the last month, that's been my go-to bait up there and it'll be my go-to bait all the way in October up there. Uh, the fish start moving deeper here in the next week or two. You can look for them on your graph and drop that little guy right on them and you're still going to have a good time. Uh, Nate, I got a question for you. A lot of the guys coming up to Horsetooth. Horsetooth actually fishes different than almost all of the lakes on the front range, I think. And it doesn't mean it doesn't fish well, but if you go to Boyd or Cherry Creek or Chatfield, you know, typically Horsetooth is such a different lake. You just meant you kind of pre- did a prelude to my question. The spawn's going to be over and those smallmouth are going to be Locate, they're going to be moving into more of a summer pattern. Do you see them setting up, the big ones setting up deeper, or do you fish for them times of the day? Or if you just want to catch a bunch of small ones, give some advice to the weekend angler. You betcha, you betcha. Like right now, if you were to go pound the bank, you're going to still catch a few nice males that are up there, 15, 16 inch class. A lot of 10 to 13 inch fish will be on the bank shallow. When I say shallow, I'm saying one to seven feet. Some of the bigger ones are starting to pull off for their summer haunts, you know, get 10, 15 feet deep, start looking at points. Uh, as the summer progresses, they start looking for flats, bigger flats with some humps on them, um, 10 to 30 foot deep. You can grab those and, and, and just see the fish and literally drop straight on their head. But the, the nicer ones start to pull out. They eat on the smelt and the shad out there in the deeper water uh, as those pull out. And, um yeah, that's pretty much it, man. It's it's an amazing fishery. I love it up there. Well, I've caught them in the summer as deep as 50, 60 feet. Do you fish that deep? I do at times. Um, I don't like you know, to. <laughs> I, I avoid it because a lot of times we're up there pre-fishing for tournaments or in a tournament. So when you start catching 50, 60 feet deep, you start running into some issues with their air bladders and getting them released safely and uh, alive back into the lake. So I try to avoid that when I can, and there's plenty of fish in that 15 to 20-foot range. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the fish moving deeper just from their normal transition. One of the other things that will kind of push the fish or or force them out deeper is our falling water level. And we're getting about to that time in the irrigation season that they're going to start calling some water out of these reservoirs and starting to pull some of that down. Do you see once that water level starts dropping that the movement increases quicker and maybe even pushes them out just a little bit deeper? Oh, absolutely, Brad. Uh, as the water starts dropping and those cottonwoods and things that are flooded on the uh, shoreline that keep those fish, you know, comfortable in that environment, uh, the water drops, they start pulling out. Um, and that's where we talk about that midsummer bite, you know, 10, 20, 30, even 50 feet deep, like Terry said. Uh, they move out on those humps and, and they look for uh, cover and safety out of 
Now, once they get out into that deep water, do you see a particular time of the day? I know a lot of times when they're up real shallow, it may be a little bit more of a dawn dust type bite. Is it when they're out deeper, is it more of an all-day bite? Does it correlate with when the the smelt maybe are, are crossing over top of that structure? What do you see? Can people catch them all day long, or should they no. be targeting more of those prime times? You know, you're giving me a, uh, let me give away all the secrets. I honestly think in the summertime with that offshore structure bite, middle of the day, when that sun's its highest, can be some of the best bites. And they start leaving that structure in the evening, 5, 6, 7 p.m., and I think they start to roam and chase those smelt that are coming to the surface. Uh, those bass can be harder to locate at horse tooth, at least. Um, but the middle of the day, you can get some phenomenal offshore structure bites, for sure. Well, and that's something that I think a lot of people overlook is, depending on what what location you're fishing, the timing makes a big difference, and the bite may be better middle of the day versus morning or afternoon. Nate, we're about ready to have to wrap up here, so I appreciate you calling in and filling people in on the uh, good bass fishing that's taking place up on the northern front range. You got, you bet. Take care, guys, and get out and catch you. All right. Thanks. All right, tell that caller right, to hang on, or I'll take your so question personally. We're going to uh, have a... A great weekend here. Hopefully get out and spend a little time outdoors. I know I'm going to go wet a line uh, tomorrow for a bit. And I'm going to try to get a little fishing in now that I'm in town for more than two days. Well, hopefully next week we can go uh, wet a line together and actually experience some of this summer peak fishing. Yeah, I'd like that, Brad. All right. Well, join us every Saturday at 9 a.m. on 104.3 The Fan for the Terry Wickstrom Outdoor Show.